Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Hear engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, my name is Caroline Stocks from Poultry Health Today, and with me is Nikki Shariot, who's an assistant professor at the University of Georgia. Nikki, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Caroline. It's great to be here today. Now, we're talking about salmonella. We've talked about this subject uh, a couple of times in the past, um, but specifically today we're talking about some work that you've been involved with, looking at the prevalence of multi-serotype salmonella in breeder flocks. Now, you've said that typical salmonella surveillance um, can't necessarily identify multiple serotypes, but that uh, technology called CRISPR-Serisec can. How do the two systems work? Uh, so traditional salmonella isolation techniques um, sort of conclude with plating your sample onto a Petri dish and selecting a small number of colonies. So anywhere between one and two colonies and then characterizing those. What we have realized is that uh, salmonella more often than not uh, exists as populations of multiple different serotypes that are present in the same animal or in the same environment. And so when you pick a small number of colonies off of a, a, an agar plate, you're generally only picking the serotypes that are most abundant in that population. The development of CRISPR seroseq is um, it's an amplicons or PCR-based approach that amplifies a genomic region that is present in all salmonella, but that the sequence of those genomic regions, the CRISPRs, um, differ um, and they separate really nicely based on the serotype identity. And so being able to sequence this mixed PCR product allows us to identify multiple different serotypes that are present in a single sample. So you used uh, CRISPR to analyze over 300 uh, different samples in southeastern breeder flocks. Can you tell us a little bit about how many and which serotypes you found? So the major serovars that were um, impacting foodborne illness as related to poultry in the 1990s are different different to the salmonella serotypes that we find today. Um, and, and the goal of this project by uh, more deeply analyzing the serotypes that are present, uh, we hope that that's gonna allow us to predict serotypes as they begin to emerge in poultry to develop um, uh, salmonella control strategies for those specific serotypes. And we analyzed uh, 324 different samples. Um, these were environmental samples from breeder flocks, so typically uh, boot sock samples. Um, we identified, I think across that data set, 35 different serotypes. Um, the, the most common, unsurprisingly, was salmonella serotype Kentucky. That's, that's one that we know across the US in, in live production is, is most frequently found in, in poultry. Uh, we found some serotypes um, that are often associated with human illness. Um, so Enteritidis, Infantis, Typhimurium, Branderup, uh, but those weren't nearly as um, frequently identified as, um, as Kentucky. So can, can CRISPR identify different strains of salmonella? Analysis of the CRISPR regions can provide a, um, a very coarse strain analysis. Um, so it doesn't have as high resolution for strain tracking as whole genome sequencing. And so it can tell us whether or not there are different strains that are present in a sample, but it can't tell us that if two, di two different samples have the same 
CRISPR profile that they're the same strain. Uh, secondly, many salmonella are, um, are polyphyletic. That is that they're separated into um, two or more different genetic lineages that are, are really very distinct from each other. Um, they're also phenotypically distinct. Uh, one of these is Salmonella Kentucky, which we, we frequently find in poultry. Um, and those have very different uh, Salmonella CRISPR. So genetically, these, these two lineages are, are very different. Um, and based on those, we can also um, distinguish uh, two different strains. Is CRISPR a technology that's that's now being widely used? How widely is it used? Um, and are we starting to see it being adopted more? Yeah, so um, I've been at PDRC for, for three years and, and sort of what I've been here um, developing the CRISPR seq technology, it's sort of sort of really taken off. I think people have begun to realize that in poultry and also in other food systems that um, salmonella more often than not occurs in these mixed populations. And so, so we've certainly had some interest in, in, in developing this as a sort of salmonella monitoring approach. Um, so you mentioned that in the study that uh, Salmonella Kentucky was the most prevalent serotype, um, as opposed to perhaps Salmonella infantis, which uh, can cause ser serious illness in humans. Was that a surprise to get that result? Not really, because we know that across the US, Kentucky is one of the top serovars that's identified in, in poultry. And in fact, in, in the study that we presented at um, IPPE this year, uh, from the 324 samples that, that my student analyzed, I want to say we found Infantis in 39 of those. And in 34 of those, it was um, present as a, as a minority or a background serotype. And what I mean by that is that in those situations, it was outnumbered by other serotypes. And you're picking... Um, a small number of colonies off of a plate um, that serotype. So in this instance, Infantis, which is in the background, if it um, would be very hard to detect using that traditional um, sort of culture-based approach. We've just uh, uh, finished a study where we have been analyzing uh, Salmonella serotype data that the um, FSIS makes publicly available. And in that study, we looked at the salmonella serotypes that FSIS finds at processing establishments in, um, in the state of Georgia over a five-year period. Um, and then we compared those serotypes to uh, serotypes that are found from uh, monitoring of salmonella breeder flocks in Georgia. We can see that in um, live production in, the, in those breeder samples, in 90% of the salmonella that are identified as salmonella Kentucky. And when you look at the um, corresponding FSIS data, um, typically Kentucky um, consists of maybe a quarter of the samples that are found in the, in the processing plant. Um, you'll see higher levels of, of Infantis, Enteritidis, Schwarzengrund as other serotypes um, that are much higher proportionally than what we find in live production. And so what we think is happening is that in, in, in the birds, Salmonella Kentucky is a serotype that's better adapted to survive in, in birds. Um, but perhaps by the time those um, uh, broilers are being processed, that Kentucky is, is knocked down, it's, it's eliminated more effectively using those interventions in the plant compared to the other serotypes. And that's when you start to see um, these other serotypes in, um, you know, occur. Um, but those serotypes had to be present on the birds in, in the first place to come in. Um, and some of um, the data that we've shown um, has, 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 has we've seen between 30 and 40 percent 
of those breeder samples contain multiple serotypes. So what does that potentially mean um, practically? Are there, is there going to have to be a change in production? Is, it, is there a change in processing? What, what impact would the findings have? Um, you know, there's um, there's definitely talk um, sort of from a, a federal regulation perspective to be able to target certain serotypes. Um, there's a you know there's an acknowledgement that that different serotypes have different associations with with human illness. So Salmonella Kentucky, um, for example, is very infrequently associated associated with with human outbreaks here in the United States. Um, so being able to monitor uh, uh, broiler flocks, breeder flocks for serotypes of concerns um, would allow um, integrators um, and producers to be able to develop sort of more serotype specific um, control strategies, but they need to know that those serotypes are there in the first place. And if the traditional methodology is only letting you identify Kentucky um, and not letting you see any deeper than that, then that sort of limits the, um, the types of controls that you can employ. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com join.